This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. I'm Andrew. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. And we're here to talk about Chapter 9 of The Mandalorian, The Marshal. Um, me and Daniel already actually talked about it a little bit. <laughs> of um, course and, you did. And, uh, <clears throat> couldn't help it. But yeah, Daniel was uh, wanted to know how quickly I realized they were doing Cobb Vanth and uh, I didn't really think about it at the time, but they really did just give it totally away with the title of the marshal. The marshal, yeah. Considering right, exactly. like he plays a marshal and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I was uh, the the first thing it gives me a little peace because we had actually talked uh, one time before when all the casting news was coming out, and it finally got to a point where we actually started questioning how much of this casting is valid. Right. But we had. Well, really, two confirmed in this episode, so that gives you a little hope for the rest of it. Yep. Yeah, it's really interesting to see. I did not expect them to pull out that final cameo. Yeah. In episode yeah, yeah. one, like I just I knew for sure that we weren't, you know, doing any important cameos for. At least halfway through the season. Here we are. Yeah. No, I mean, they <clears throat> they certainly set the bar high, you know, with the, the first episode. But that's that's great. I mean. It was so good. and But they did what we hoped. And they didn't let the, the other, the famous actor or the exciting character overshadow the story. Right. No, exactly. They, he, they, they fit into the story really well. It, yeah. um, so it, exactly. It didn't become just the Cobb Vance show or, you know, or let yeah. the other, we're not being spoiler free. By the time this drops, it'll be out for almost a week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Yes. Okay. Or let, well, this yeah. is going to drop. We're actually going to drop this early in the morning, but, mm-hmm. uh, just, I mean, heads up and I'll, I'll put it in the title in the description. This is, there's going to be, we're not going to go like super heavy setting out to intentionally spoil you, but we're going to talk about the episode. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's, there are spoilers in this episode. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it and then come back. And if you hadn't seen it, I don't know what you're waiting for, but get to um, it you can watch this <laughs> you can watch it as quick as you could listen to this episode but this so. definitely will be our as as all of our mandalorian episodes based on when i plan to drop them but they're all going to be spoiler related mm-hmm. um, yeah. we we may do some short non-spoiler things but our full episodes are going to have spoilers right that seems fair but again by the, you know if you haven't seen the episode yet, I mean, by the time this drops, you've had plenty of time to have watched it. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Or don't listen until you do. Yes. Go run. Don't <laughs> you've walk. You've been forewarned. And listen, <laughs> yeah. You know, and we actually, the most recent Coruscant Radio episode that Andrew and I did 
or maybe not the, a recent one, maybe not the most recent one. We actually talked at some length about how Disney has really not pulled very much from new canon as far as, you know, kind of uh, Easter eggs and things like that. Most of the things they pulled have been from Legends. So this, uh, they, they, they made a liar out of us, love. They went and they pulled a major character from one of their big series, one of their big book series. Now, I don't think they did him exactly like he was dealt with in the book, but... No, that he was actually better. Mm-hmm. Um, they they took a character that I didn't care much about mm-hmm. after reading the Aftermath books. I mean, he's just kind of mentioned in passing. We mm-hmm. need a couple of chapters that kind of deal with him, but don't really tell us anything about the character. No, we got we we got his backstory now. Right. Well, they had kind of given him a little bit of at least told us how they got the armor Mm -hmm. in the previous one, but they changed that. That's actually different in okay in the in the Mandalorian. But what they did with it was they took a character who just was it wasn't bad. It was just that I don't think anybody cared that much about that character and turned him into a character that I'm already seeing all kinds of clamoring to see more of that character. Mm-hmm. Right. And the actor helps too. Cause you know, Timothy Oliphant has a, a fan following Yeah, yep. and I've always enjoyed him in everything I've seen him in. And I really enjoyed his, his take on this character for sure. It was, uh, I'm actually watching it again right now as we're <laughs> recording. Yeah. Um, so great. So, uh, I, I, th- I think he was a good fit for the series. I think he's a good fit for the character. Uh, and I just, I, I, I don't know how many more good things I can say. So very, very well done. I'm very happy with this episode. You know, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's going to suffer from high expectations, just like, Re- not Return of the Jedi, uh, Last Jedi, right? A lot of people mm. were kind of saying... The reason that everyone liked Mandalorian is because they didn't have any expectations going in, which I don't think is accurate. Everyone has expectations for Star Wars, no matter what it is. Everyone has expectations. But... Well, we had only been, you know, contemplating what Star Wars TV would look like for, like, 23 right. years. Exactly. Right. But they certainly did not disappoint with this first episode of, of no. the new season. Um, and I like, you know, there were a lot of other, as John Favreau does, there were other people hidden throughout. W. Earl Brown was the weekway bartender. Oh, wow. Who was also in Deadwood with, uh, with okay. Timothy Oliphant. And yep. um, Gore Koresh, the Cyclops. Uh-huh. That was John Leguizamo. Yep. Which I... The voice, like I would have, like if you just showed it to me, you know, I would have never guessed that was John Leguizamo from the voice there. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I didn't realize it was him either until the episode was over. No, I thought John Favreau had done it until they t- until I found out who it actually was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Amy Sedaris was back, which her character's kind of kind of weird, but I um, mean, though, like. Yeah. A s- I feel like people who are like, oh, characters aren't really like that. It's like, you know. ever been to a small town? Because. <laughs> yeah, but she's just kind of like, 
I don't know. And I normally like Amy Sedaris. And this isn't here or there, but I enjoy her, her brother Dave Sedaris. I enjoy his books. So just that whole, you know, just knowing stories about her from reading his books and then things she's been in. Like, you know, I, she's, I enjoy her fine, but something about that character just doesn't really do anything for me. And I don't like love. I mean, I don't think it's like the greatest character, but it's like she's weird. Mm-hmm. She's <laughs> like, weird. I've run across lots of weird people in the course of my life, you know? Right. So. Oh, and that <laughs> man, that dadgum puppet. It gets cuter. I swear that daggum puppet just got cuter. The little flappy ears. So stinking. Mm -hmm. Like the girls are just sitting there going, just like squealing. They're like, oh, he's so cute. So (laughs) I did kind of have a question about the child, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just going to say, like, I I was fine with the way they handled it for this episode. But, I mean, the child kind of took a back seat Mm -hmm. to the story in this one. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So what did y'all think about that? I mean, it was basically it. just I mean, there for to be cute for a few moments. Yeah. Yeah, just just the fact that the character itself didn't play a big role in this episode isn't really... Uh, I mean, the whole... Uh, on some level, he's really a plot device for the quest that Din Jarn is on anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> and he still is. I yeah. mean, he's searching for the Mandalorians so he can get help with this quest to find the child's people which as far as he knows are just jedi like that and 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 that was another thing like you kind of got to sort of think about the fact that is he really is he trying to find other members of yoda species or is he looking for jedi what do you consider the child's people you know what is he really on a quest for all he knows so far is he's looking for some enemy wizards as the armorer told him right right Uh, so he doesn't have much to go on for sure. No. And I think doesn't. that's going to land him in some trouble before this season is over. Oh well, yeah. And I mean, we would expect, um, Giancarlo Esposito's character to come back too. right. Moff, Moff Gideon. Uh, Gideon. Yes. Why well, I could think of Gideon. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we'll spend some time this season exploring deeper into Mandalorian lore and what happened to the Mandalorian people between uh, the end of Clone Wars and or the end of Rebels mm-hmm. and where we are now, which right. we still don't know a lot about. And that's that's really one of the things that has interested me most about this show was sort of going back to the way I had kind of envisioned Mandalorians before we got the animated versions. So. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm enjoying that part of it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're going to definitely see a lot more lore as it progresses. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that kind of the route they went was he's looking for Mandalorians to help him find the Force users. So that was a really good way, plot-wise, to kind of bring in more Mandalorian lore um, and, as, and make it part of the quest. Right, yeah. So, and, and like I said, I'm okay with that. That's that's something I enjoy about this show. So yeah. if we delve into that more and more, that, if that's all we do this season, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm really, one of the things I'm really enjoying, and of course this show, and I expect 
this is what I expect from Dave Filoni and John Favreau at this point is the attention to detail mm-hmm. of things that they have pulled in. Um, I mean, one, I, I never thought I would see a crate dragon done in live action Star Wars at all. No, and I have, I have questions about that. Um, whenever you first saw the thing, and it's just this creature tunneling through the sand. It never really entered my mind it was a crate dragon. I was—I literally was like, what are we on Arrakis now? Was, <laughs> I said the same know, thing. I was yeah. like, it's a sandworm. Andrew, my first thought was, okay, Tatooine's got sandworms. sandworms cool. Yeah. yeah. And then Cobb called it a crate dragon, and I'm going, well, wait a minute. Crate dragons had legs and, like, lived on top of the surface. Where did this – uh, so this is a whole new version of maybe, crate dragon. Maybe, but the skeleton in A New Hope. Yeah. Exactly. The skeleton in A New Hope fits – this version of a crate dragon. We didn't right. give him legs to the comic books. Right. So, it, so George, it, this is George Lucas's version of a crate dragon. So, hmm. um, the only other okay. places we saw it visually comics, uh, Kotor did want, did it had legs. Um, so mm-hmm. this is the first time we've seen it. So it's we have had multiple variations of what a crate dragon looks like. Uh, well, the, but we yeah, but we saw we've seen crate dragons. In the in the new comics that are considered canon too, though, have we not? I haven't read enough of them to know that for sure, so I'm not so, sure. My question is: Is that just a subspecies of crate dragon to keep you know to kind of keep the canon, mm-hmm. kind of make everything sort of? I don't want to put it. Yeah, uh, you know, Daniel, I think it's becoming increasingly clear that in spite of all of the talk of all canon is created equal, that's not true. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that that's part of it. I still think there's certainly a hierarchy to... You know, if, yeah. if Dave Filoni wants to change what's established in a book, he's going to do it, and they're not going to tell him he can't. No, I understand that. I'm just thinking, like, you know, are we, retcro- are we retconning those great dragons right. now to have it all still make sense? Or-, or are we just making it some kind of additional... Yeah, or is it like other things in Star Wars where you just sort of don't question it and take it at face value and enjoy it, which is probably the probably the safest thing to do. Yeah. So did did the creature on the Mandalorian did we see legs on it at all? In the Mandalorian? No. Yeah. No. No, no legs. It's so basically like those snake things that the kids have. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. My kids have well, they have uh, these in in old English it would be a worm. Right. It's it's a type of dragon. It's a legless dragon. Yeah. You know, again, I'm not sure if they've done a crate dragon in anything new canon or not. I, I can't say one way or another. I do like what they did. Now, I was a little confused like you. When it was underground, I was like, well, wait a minute, that's a crate dragon. But when I went back and watched it the second time, I realized that when they show it from behind as it's tunneling towards you here, you hear it. Hmm. You can hear the sound. It's muffled because it's underground, but you can hear right. the sound. It's definitely making the right noise from from a new hope. That Obi Wan, yeah. right? It's the it's the noise Obi Wan made to scare off the uh, the sand people in New Hope. Uh huh. Interesting. Um, now they did do some things like the set for where the crate dragon came from was very reminiscent of what they did with the the crate dragon mission in Knights in of Knights the of the Old Republic. Republic. 
Um, all, right. all the way down to, and you know, we were obviously, they were taking the Bantas out there and tying them up. But in the mission on Knights of the Old Republic, you had to like lure some wild Bantas to the area to draw the dragon out. And Funny. Right. That's crazy. And just, just me being nitpicky. Why didn't they bury the charges closer to the cave entrance? They didn't have to bring the thing out so far. If that's what they was worried about. I don't know. I'm being retarded now. <laughs> I know. That's a valid just question. question. And enjoy it, right? Yeah, that is a valid, like, and that is a valid in-universe question. I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to get any closer and risk disturbing it more. Maybe. And it come out and eat them before they laid the charges. That would be unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, now, was this, this episode was actually, Favreau directed this one, correct? Or who directed this? I really don't know, actually. Yeah. No. Yeah, John Favreau did direct this one. Okay. Um, and it, it was very John Favreau. Uh, I loved the part where the the Tuscan goes down and he's got his bantha tied up to the stake and he calls into the cave and he starts to run and it comes out of the cave and just grabs the Tuscan and goes... <laughs> Right, and all the other testers look at each other like, "Oops." Yeah, he's like, "They might might be open to new suggestions." <laughs> right, they they might they might need a new strategy. The the, the understatedness, yeah, was like that was that was great. And like my kids, I thought they like you know, they're watching it, and like that thing comes out and then like grabs that Tuscan, and they were like, "Did that just happen?" <laughs> Like they were kind of shocked. They were like, I think they're like, oh, it's going to eat the band to whatever, whatever. But then when it grabbed the the person, they were, they were a little horrified there. Um, but I think, you know, it, it was important for the theme. It's like, yes, it's not just, it doesn't just come and eat our livestock. Like it's, it's a danger to life and limb. So mm-hmm. I think they really did a good job driving that home. Yeah. Right. What were some of y'all's favorite things they did with this episode? I mean, there there were there are some things they did visually, like, you know, we've leaned really heavily into the whole idea of Star Wars as a Western mm-hmm. with this whole show. But it went into overload with this episode. Absolutely. All the way down to the the speeder bike, like slow rolling through the street, you know, like the stranger riding into mm-hmm. town on his horse and everybody coming out to Staring. see the stranger. Uh-huh. You know, it's gun smoke i mean it was like i mean basically if you took the sci-fi elements out of it this was a clint eastwood movie mm-hmm. yeah i wish the whole like you just said the whole series has had the feel of a clint eastwood movie anyway on some level yeah they're just they're, they're they're gonna double down on that and and they should i mean that's that's part of the charm of the show uh i also really enjoyed noticing that uh cobb's speeder bike is a pod racer engine yeah. oh yeah yeah, that that, was there's great. kind of a throwback there too to, you know, they pod races are on Tatooine. We're on Tatooine, so yeah. you can have a pod race engine. Like it, 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 it makes sense to the setting, and it's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, Cobb's kind of a badass. He would, he would have a pod racer in, engine. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I enjoyed things like that. I, uh, I love that shot. Like whenever the. You know, the, oh, well, why don't you ask him? And he looks up and you see him kind of saunter in and it's like immediately obvious. That is not Boba Fett. Like, it's just, it's like, that's the armor, but like everything else about it is wrong. The way he's standing, the way his armor kind of doesn't fit quite right. Like the way the shoulder bells kind of stick out. It's like everything about it screams. 
not Boba Fett. And it was like, it was so brilliant how they did that. They managed to put him in the Boba Fett armor, cover his face, and for you to look at it and instantly know, okay, this mm-hmm. there's something definitely off here. Um, I, I felt like that was just one of the best, the most well-executed things in the whole thing, in the whole, um, in the whole episode. And, and then when he takes that helmet off, it becomes clear, not only is he not Boba Fett, he is not a Mandalorian. Um, right. So. Well, and that's one of the things that they've done really well is just visual storytelling in this mm-hmm. show. You know, no words, and you understood all of that. Right. Um. And, you know, it was funny, you know, somebody was saying it's it was appropriate that they released it that close to Halloween because he's basically wearing a Boba Fett Halloween costume. Yeah. You know, it's just like the he went and got the, the one-size-fits-all Boba Fett costume and... Absolutely. It's exactly what it looks like. And it's it's like it doesn't fit him. He's way too skinny. And he's like wearing the... Sh- it's just... it's Well, perfect. he doesn't have all the gear. I mean, right. he's literally just got the armor pieces. and Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really well done. And, you know, the character was really a great character. Um, you know, how, how they did Cobb Vanth, you know, they had it. He was kind of your swaggering, you know, kind of hero. But yet he also was... A lot of times you're kind of swaggering heroes. They're, they're really all kind of out. Maybe it started out as like public service, but it kind of becomes this is me being cool. You shall acknowledge how cool I am and I shall always be cool. And um, so you see him willing to give up his armor and his all of this, his status uh, that he's kind of accumulated, you know, contingent on this get up he has. Um, and that's definitely one of the more self-sacrificial things we've seen a character do here so far, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, because he is an an altruistic character. Mm -hmm. Like he does want to, his entire goal is keeping this town and his friends, you know, all safe. I mean, he lived there before Mm -hmm. the fall of the empire. He lived, he lived on Tatooine his whole life. These are his, his family and his friends. And that was, that's his whole purpose to even acquiring the armor was to, yeah. help protect these people. So right. if, if this is the way to ultimately protect them, he's going to do, he'll, he'll do whatever he needs to do. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't even real excited about asking the people to help the Tuscans because the Raiders had raided them over mm-hmm. and over again. Right. But even he sees this is the best way to ultimately protect us. If we can get peace with the Tuscans and we can get rid of this crate dragon, then maybe I won't need the armor anymore. You know, he's not attached to the, that's not his goal, keeping the armor. His goal is to protect his people. Yeah. So, uh, as, you know, it, again, he's, it's just a, it's a cool character. I mean, it, it, again, it fits. It's, it's good storytelling. Yeah. No, it's, it, they certainly created a character and both the character and the actor are things that I kind of hope they will revisit. I do think we'll see the character and actor again, obviously I'm, I'm not, I'm not so sure that Din doesn't let him wear the armor again. You know, uh, it's, you, you can kind of see things playing out sort of like they did in season one where he 
goes back and kind of gets the help of the people he's encountered along the way, you know? Right. And, uh, and, and comes back and, and, and gets Cobb to come helping on, on a mission. And we already know we're going to see, uh, Cardoon and, uh, grief, grief again. So, you know, we may see Cobb show back up at that point as well. I'm right. not, like I said, I'm not sure he doesn't let him wear the armor again, but again, it's, and like, like you mentioned the actor, I mean, it's Timothy Oliphant. He's, he's, he's a fan favorite anyway. He's a good actor. There's no reason not to bring him back if you can. Right. So I won't be surprised at all. I actually expect to see him again. Yeah. And I really like that idea, you know, maybe bringing him, you know, adding him to the, the crew, mm-hmm. basically. Right. Because uh, he's a... Well, that's, you know, kind of what we've seen him doing is building these relationships along the way who, right. you know, he's able to call on for help later. So, yeah, yeah that I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, lots of other little, just kind of almost nitpicky little things that they managed to pull in the uh, scurriers, the little, the little mouse-like creatures. I mean, those were something George added in the special edition mm-hmm. of A New Hope. They're actually like, they used the same character, 3D character models that Spielberg used on the Raptors in, oh, wow. in uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, that's crazy. So... You know, lots of just little things that they pulled in. Just like I said, just the attention to detail that they've had. Yeah. Oh, another little thing they pulled in from Knights of the Old Republic there. You know, you see the Tuscan pull the pearl. Oh, right. You know, out of the, you know, from the dragon there. I mean, that was just a, a cool little nod to, mm-hmm. old, to old lore. Mm-hmm. And. Right. Um, I always appreciate when they're willing to, when you have an opportunity to pull lore back in doing it because they could just as easily ignore it. Well, I don't know. It's, I think it's all Filoni's head cannon is, you know, pretty, pretty detailed, I think. And, yeah. uh, so mm-hmm. for the fact that he's drawing those sorts of things back in, it yeah, is well interesting. You, you, you can always tell they're, they're fans of this stuff. Oh yeah. Yep. You know, they're, that they're, they're they're doing things that they want to see. And mm-hmm. as fans ourselves, it's what we want to see too. Right. So it, I, I don't know that I just, I love the Stern show so much. This is, this is Star Wars. This is the Star Wars that we all always wanted yeah. after the original trilogy ended. You yeah. know, the prequels were a different thing. The sequel trilogy is a, it's, the sequel trilogy tries to get some of this feel, and in a lot of ways it succeeds, but again, it's it's different. But this this is the closest thing we've got to the feel of the original trilogy since it ended. Right. So Yeah, it really is. And I, I hope to see more of this. I you know, I'm hearing a lot of people saying, well, you know, the future of Star Wars is clearly TV, it's clearly Disney Plus. I really have no issue with that. I love this stuff. This stuff's great. They have set the Mm -hmm. bar really, really high for the Obi-Wan series and the Cassian series. I mean, the Obi-Wan series and my, I mean, they're only doing four episodes, uh, limited series, but you've got to get that one right. 
man. Like, you can't do that mm-hmm. one wrong. No. Although, honestly, I feel like the amount of time that they're spending on Tatooine in this series is also to set up some other... So, some other things for the Obi-Wan series, you know, car- you know, background kind of ambiance. Like, okay. Well, not probably not just that. I mean, we're probably going to see some in- some encounters with the Tusken Raiders mm-hmm. and and a lot of that kind of stuff going on in in the Obi-Wan series. So, yeah, I'm I, I think I just but I I guess what I'm saying is they've really set the bar so high. Yeah. For Star Wars TV, and that's great. I just hope that the other shows are ready to step up to that bar. Yeah. So here's a thought. Do you think that we see, depending on when this is set, what do you think the odds are that we see a younger Din Djarin show up in the Obi-Wan show and interact with Obi-Wan having no idea he's a Force user? Because he says at some point he spent a lot of time on Tatooine. Um... I mean, we don't really, they haven't really told us exactly how old Din Djarin is, I don't think. I, I think Din Djarin would have been fairly young to have interacted with. Yeah, I would think he'd be a preteen anyway. I mean, I, I get the impression he's about Luke's age, maybe a little older. I'm assuming when he talks about the amount of time he has spent on Tatooine is after he became a bounty hunter. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Exactly. That's I, I do as well. For the time period we're studying the Obi-Wan moving in, I, again, like I, I think Den would be a kid and he would be, you know, and I, don't, I don't think he'd be here. He would be with the Mandalorians by that point either way because, you know, it was Mandalorians that rescued him when his home planet was, uh, was attacked. So do we know that he's not actually Mandalorian? No, because that's the thing. He could actually, because Mandalore was like, it's a, a whole very, system of planets. It's a whole system. Right. But the, they the don't actual, all wear the armor. Right. And the actual planet Mandalore, they have kind of gone a completely different route. Um, so I just assumed when we saw him, he was actually Mandalorian. He was, and that the Death Watch or whoever the the armor wearers were had rescued him sometime after the fallout with Maul at the end of. Uh, right. Well, I mean, then you're kind of that's it's still it's like it's like with Boba Fett. We know Boba Fett was born or Django was born on a planet in Mandalorian space. Right. But we know the people right. on Mandalore at the time of. The Clone Wars reject him as a Mandalorian. Right. Well, right, but like Jarn himself says, Mandalorian is not a race; it's a it's a creed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know where the distinction is drawn. It's not something we're clear on yet. But not everyone born in the Mandalore system, I guess, would be is a Mandalorian, and you don't have to be born in the Mandalore system to be Mandalorian. Right. It almost seems to equate to being Jewish. Well, you know, I mean, but like, we kind of take on this idea that the the Mandalorians, the warriors, is what mm-hmm. we're talking about. That's it's a creed, not a race, right? And but there are also people who are from Mandalore. They're Mandalorian, right? You know, so, kind of in the same so way that it's confusing whenever you say someone converts to Judaism or they're Jewish. It's like okay, but they are, don't practice, or but they're also Christians, or but they're also so it it kind of it's it's a uh, right. It's a, we, we just don't have right well-defined lines yet 
Right. Um, no, we don't. And, and it may continue to be also, confusing. Because we also, at this point, too... I'm sorry, Marisha. Um, no, no, that's at, fine. Okay. At, at this point, also, we don't know the state of the Mandalorian system. You know, what? Right. what True. is going on politically on, on the planet. Is or the who planet even controls there? it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Or if it's still it, there. It still exists. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So, it you know, did the idea that Mandalorian being Mandalorian is just a creed now come from the fact that they've just been decimated. So they're bolstering their ranks from other uh, species, other races, other planets, mm-hmm. right. other systems. Like we don't, it's, it still hasn't really been made clear. I like the idea of it just being a creed. That's something that goes back to uh, what we call le- what's considered legends. Now that mm-hmm. was, that was something that was explored then was, and my so, assumption based on kind of what you're saying there, or because I kind of agree with what you're saying, this might be something that came into being this whole idea of Mandalorian. Mandalorian is a creed, not a race. It's something that came into place after the purge. And that would make sense. Cause people that as they try to rebuild who they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and because again, I know I keep harping on this stuff and maybe I shouldn't be as much. You kind of got to sort of make the history fit in with the history we've already seen in the animated right. shows. Right. I mean, right. And, and that's why the Lord be a be a planet, be a system, be a people. Right. And now it seems like we're saying something different, which again I actually enjoy more, so I'm fine with right. it. Right. And I think uh, that we're going to find out we're not really saying something different as much as something has changed. Yeah. Because you're, t- I mean, Filoni wrote. I mean, all almost all of, really all of the Mandalorian lore. Mm-hmm in new canon has come from Filoni himself. Right. 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 So, you know, he's not stepping all over what he did in the animated show. This is like, he, I don't think, I think, I don't know that he likes anything more than he likes Mandalorians. Yeah. Right. Or Clone Wars. I I, I guess also though, what I'm asking is, is it, is it that something has changed or, or we just didn't understand. Is it that we, is it just that we weren't, clear on it and definitive about it in Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah. And I think we're going to keep putting those pieces together. I think that's something that they've really gone or really going for a slow burn on explaining this whole process to us. And and I appreciate that. I actually Mm -hmm. really like that. I I love the idea that it's, that it's a creed, but I do want to know more about what that means. Yeah. Because we, we also have a lot of other things that clearly came into play after the purge, like removing helmets. Right. Yeah, because we've yeah. never seen yeah, yeah, that yeah. before. And I still say, think that that's his sect. Because we see Mandalorians taking their helmets off mm-hmm. all the way up into... I mean, we see Mandalorians and, clone, and, and Rebels taking their helmets off. Um so I, th- I think it's going to become clear there are factions. I mean, like, if you just walked out on the street and asked 10 different people, what does it mean to be an American? You're going to get some really different answers. Um, and people disagreeing fundamentally on what the most important aspects of being American are. Uh, and I think that in a multi-planet society, you're going to have that compounded even more. Yeah, I guess so. I, 
I don't know. I'm like Andrew. I'm just really, uh, I think it's going to be kind of a slower burn. We'll get bits and pieces of it and really understand what it means to be Mandalorian and how mm-hmm. the current version of Mandalorians came about. And that, again, I know I've said it three or four times while I've been recording. That's really what interests me most about this show. So yeah. I'm perfectly okay with it. All right. So the big reveal at the end. I mean, how did he even have to turn around before you realized who it was? Nope. Yeah, I need. I did. I need him to turn around. I did. I didn't. Um, I didn't catch it till he turned around. Okay. Yeah, I like. I saw the back of like, his head. I said, "That's <laughs> Tim Morrison." Right. Well, he's got the he's got the gaffer stick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, well, what's this rogue sand person doing out here without a mask on? So then, when he turned around, which I'm actually watching right now, yeah, I said. Okay, so now we know Tim Morrison's not Rex. <laughs> Tim Morrison is playing Boba Fett in this show. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's what, I mean, it's obvious to the story. There's no other reason for him to be there and watching. I mean, he, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's he wants his armor back. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like to know what he's been doing for the last six years. I mean, it, it's taken him this long to track his armor to right? Cobb, who's had it for a, a we get the impression for a long time at this point. Right. Yeah. But we don't, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing we don't really know. I mean, you know, he may just be wandering as a nomad. He may have just been spent, having spent this time in the desert. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what they do decide to do with him. Mm -hmm. Um, I almost wonder if he hasn't been living among the, the sand people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since he's carrying that staff. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, and now this is again not in canon, but we see um, in Legends in in the Obi Wan book, we see some of the one of the point of view characters is okay, and this is a major spoiler for the Obi Wan book if you have not read it, or the Kenobi book if you have not read it and intend to skip ahead a couple of, a couple of minutes. Actually, you guys haven't read it either, so you may not want me to tell you. But anyway, you see you see evidence of um characters who were human who have kind of been adopted by the sand people. Okay. Um so there yeah, is yeah, precedent yeah. for that. Well, and, it may have been the sand people that rescued him from the mm-hmm. Sarlacc or, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of interesting story to tell about where what Boba Fett's been doing during this mm-hmm. lost amount of time. But I also think, and I brought up this part here because we're discussing what is a what is a Mandalorian. What does it mean to be a Mandalorian? Mm-hmm. And if nothing else, Boba Fett could serve as a really interesting plot point to explaining that to us. Mm-hmm. Um. Since there seems to have always been that idea of, well, he's not a Mandalorian, but he's he's right. got that armor. I mean, right. and we know the armor, it's like the katana sword. I mean, it's handed down for generations. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's important. And, um, you know, it, it's... Right, yeah. which actually, there is a... I think they recently released Season 2 Clone Wars on DVD or something. There's a behind-the-scenes commentary on that disc. Mm-hmm. Uh, have y'all seen this yet where Dave Filoni is mm-hmm. talking about... Django not being a Mandalorian. And there's a segment there also where he talks about uh, Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor, I guess, because he's talking about why the Death Watch's armor is different and this and that. 
and he, he talks about Boba Fett's armor having been pieced together, and he wears it because his father did. And it kind of gave me – y'all need to watch that. It kind of gave me the impression, and we've always sort of assumed he took his father's armor and modified it, but Filoni seems to indicate that Boba's armor isn't his father's, that it's something he pieced together, finding mm-hmm. pieces here and there over the years. Okay. And that kind of – me for a loop too like we always it just was the logical assumption he took Django's armor you know after hmm. attack of the clones interesting so, yeah i think he probably at least he takes wanted, the helmet he wanted the armor right. and he wears it because his because his father wore it but he pieced together his own interesting, interesting. yeah i'll definitely have to we'll have to go back and watch that so right, so i now have questions about that too so where did Django's armor go Right. right. All the questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Marisha, what did you think about the the Boba Fett reveal? I mean, we had done an episode like the day before the episode dropped. I just didn't think that we were going to see Boba Fett that soon. I just really didn't. Um, and but they did it so well. Yeah. You know, like. It wasn't the Boba Fett show. Boba Fett didn't saunter into the canteen and be like the person who's going to go help him, you know, right on on whatever this week's quest is. Um, but it does beg the question: Where, what has he been doing? Like, why does he show up now? Um, clearly, he's 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 interested in what's going on, but why has he just been sitting back and watching all this time? Because he's not right. typically a sit back and watch kind of guy. He's a get in the middle of things kind of guy. Right. And that was kind of my question was, I mean, you sort of get the impression that he's tracking his armor, that he's it just so having that he tracked his armor down to that point whenever, you know, but mm-hmm. what took him so long to, to, mm-hmm. to track it this far? Right. Well, the good thing is whenever they do decide, whether it's next week or later this season, when they decide to revisit the fact that Boba Fett is out there, you know, they're pretty good about filling in backstory on this show. So how long you think it is before we, before they do anything else with Boba Fett? I I think they're going to make us sit on that for a little while. I think so too. I mean, they, they hinted at it in the end of, um, that, that episode last season. Did they, or did we read that wrong? If they didn't, they, no, they read that wrong. definitely made us think that that's what was happening. I, I, well, you're right. They teased it. Well, my thing is that, that, that obviously wasn't Boba Fett, right? Well, we all thought it was Boba as we heard the spurs cling and it looked like the armor. Mm-hmm. Right. But it, obviously it wasn't because Boba didn't have the armor. Right. Or so clearly or it was Co- or, yeah. right. Was it Cobb Vanth or do we still have another mystery uh, character right. waiting to pop up out there? But they or like Cobb, or has Cobb only had the armor for? Well, no, he hasn't. He's had it. He's had it. He's had it the whole six years. Mm-hmm. He has because that was the night the Empire Empire fell. Mm-hmm. Right. He acquired the armor like the next day. Yeah. yeah. Um. But what I'm saying is they drop something that we were all clearly going to talk about and read into at the end of an episode in the middle of the season. We were like, Oh, we're definitely going to get an answer on that before the end of the season. Nothing, 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 nothing. 
So I think the fact that they dropped this, I don't think we're going to get an answer to that next week. I think they're just going to no. leave it for a bit. Don't be surprised. We, I really, I was going to ask y'all what y'all thought about the idea that we might not see Boba again all season. I think it's a distinct possibility. I think it's a real possibility. I think, and, and I'm, I'm actually okay with that. Like, I want to know more. I want to see more. But I'm so happy that I mean, they gave us, they answered the question that we've all wanted an answer to for 37 years. Is Boba right. Fett still out there? Right. Did he survive? So, and and we know he obviously got out of the pit relatively quickly. I mean, because. Cobb Vant found the armor the night the, or sometime apparently like within a day or so of the empire falling. Right. Like he finds the armor. So that's only a few days. You know, know, that's all in return of the Jedi. So Mm -hmm. it's not like he spent a long time in the pit. Like, well, and that, that armor is, I mean, yes, the armor is best card. It's pretty sturdy stuff, but the paint you, I mean, paint only holds up to Sarlacc's stomach acid so long, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I do think that Boba, F- whoever is going to keep that armor needs to do some work on that jetpack. Yeah. Um, since apparently there is a easily accessible switch. <laughs> right. <laughs> on the side of that jetpack. Right. Um, I don't know. Well... But also, though, the, I mean, we were told the Sarlacc digests people over right. the course of, you know. So it's probably not real strong acid. It takes a long time for the Sarlacc to, to digest yet. So That's true. Um, so, yeah, I, I won't be surprised at all if we don't see Boba Fett again this season. I hope we do. I think we will, but I won't be surprised if we don't. Yeah. Well, you could do a whole show just about Boba Fett's quest for his armor. So, mm-hmm. you know, like Marisha mentioned when we first started, we were worried about all these other characters overshadowing our main story. You could very easily overshadow our main story with too much Boba Fett. Oh, for sure. And that's that's kind of my thing with a lot of these characters that have been rumored. Like, I mean, that's a big, that's a big, that's a huge reveal. Mm-hmm. That he's still out there. And you certainly don't want Boba Fett necessarily, unless he's just in the shadows, you know, mm-hmm. from time to time throughout the season. And, and then we yeah. get something bigger with him later. But, you know, this, you could turn it into the Boba Fett show really easily. Very, very easily. Uh, it was supposed to be the Boba Fett show. And, that- and we don't, I mean, who knows? I mean, we could get. The thing is, is this being the first Disney Plus Star Wars series, this could serve as a soft launch for countless, stuff. countless stories, Absolutely. other stories to be told. Yep. And they really are planning on leaning really heavily into TV for now. Mm-hmm. So a Boba Fett limited series is not out of the question. Yeah. To, to, you know, a, a four or five episode series to fill that five or six year gap. Mm-hmm. Could be interesting. Yep. But yeah, it's a good, it's a good way to start. I'm optimistic to see what happens next. And it's what, it's Monday today. So only two more days. No, no, you got your days wrong. What Fridays. day is it? 
Comes out on Fridays. Comes out on Fridays. Yeah. I thought it came out on Wednesdays. Why? I don't know. I, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> Well, you were going to be real disappointed I Wednesday was morning. Be re- like, I was already thinking, like, when I get home from church on Wednesday, uh, I'm just staying up. <laughs> Which I'm is not. another thing. I set my alarm for 2 a.m. Friday morning. I got up, no Mandalorian. I waited up till 3, no Mandalorian. I finally went back to sleep for a couple of hours, and there it was. I don't know, I don't know what time between, between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock it actually dropped, but it wasn't at 2 a.m. Like, like I was told it was, Disney+. Plus. I stayed up one time to watch, the, to watch an episode of The Mandalorian on its drop. It didn't happen, and I just, I've never tried again. And apparently that's a common problem. It doesn't seem to be a concrete time uh, that things go up. It's just in the wee hours of the morning sometime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I checked it all day. Th- I checked it all night Thursday night, hoping somebody accidentally dropped it mm-hmm. before I went to bed. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's when you know you've got event television right there. Oh, absolutely. You know, though, I kind of was. I was thinking about this, and I feel like Disney's missing missing it a little bit by not dropping it at like seven o'clock on. Thursday night. Like, because if they dropped it like at a specific time in the evenings, you know that it would be like a, an event. You know, mm-hmm. Disney's all about drumming up for events. I, I mean, they also don't necessarily want, I mean, no, no streaming services drop shows in the evening. That's true. They you don't, necessarily, don't necessarily want everybody in the world trying to watch your episode at That's the exact true. same time. That's what's trouble with live stream. You remember when Disney Plus launched? Yeah. Oh, it was a mess. Yeah. I had the subscription for three or four days before I was able to actually log it in. I remember because you were like was, losing your mind. We'd, we'd already yeah. watched it and you were like, I can't watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was in Lake Charles at the time. Yeah. And it was, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, anybody got any more, any other thoughts on the episode or anything going forward with the Mandalorian before we wrap up? I don't think so. I think I'm out of things to say, mm-hmm. man. I gotta wait till Friday. Yeah. I thought I only had to wait till Wednesday. Now I'm unhappy. You can watch Truth Seekers with me. I can. It's not, not as exciting. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this episode of Course Not Radio Underground. Marisha, where can people find you online? You can find me on my website, princessesandpadawans.com. Mostly, I'm actually doing a little bit on Instagram these days. I am princesses underscore and underscore padawans, and I'm ppadawans on Twitter. All right. And Daniel, where can people find you? Um, I am Dan C. Peeps on Twitter and that's basically it. That's all I've got right now. <laughs> all right. I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast at CRU underscore podcast. You can check us out at the science or check out our other podcast, the science fictionary podcast. You can also find us as well as the rest of the red five podcast family at red five network.com or at red five network on Twitter. And until next time, this is the way. <laughs>